0: I want to start today, really, and, and get everybody on the same page. So whether you're in here and you're in like the, the first grade or second grade, or you're like 118, like we you, like we should all be on the same page. How many of you in this room or watching online today, even like wherever you're watching, raise up your hand, would admit to everybody here that you've done at least one stupid thing in your life? All right, if. If you didn't raise your hand, welcome, Jesus. Like, we're glad you're here. Like, I hope you enjoyed those songs we sang about you. Like, it's, uh, it's great. And my problem, though, with, with coming up with an illustration when it comes to doing something stupid, like, wasn't a lack of examples. Like, I had plenty. Um, but it was, which one do I tell? So I decided that I'm going to be safe, and I'm going to tell one that I've already told and didn't get fired for. I was thinking about this several years ago. Like, I had come home from a trip. I was, I was gone somewhere, and I was, like, I was exhausted. Like, I was tired and grumpy. And that only happens maybe once a week for me. But, but, but I was tired, and, and I was grumpy, and I get in, and I just, and I want to go to bed, and on my bed, there are, like, 47 throw pillows. And I hate throw pillows. So I start tossing them off the bed, and Jennifer said something smart-alecky, and like, because she does that, man. She's got an attitude. Um, <laughs> um, so, so then I got even madder, and I pushed the screen out of the window, and I started throwing throw pillows out the window. It was bad. And to take that illustration a little bit further, like there are consequences for stupid things. Like I had a mad woman on my hands. And I had to go outside and pick up throw pillows. Like that was a long night. Like it was lucky I didn't throw anything else out of the window. I don't think I have since then. But but the point is that, that we all make we all make mistakes, right? And there are consequences for our mistakes. The sermon in a sentence today for everybody, uh, in case you want to leave early or you get bored, you fall asleep, whatever, like the sermon in a sentence is this, the place of your greatest mistake is an opportunity to experience God's greatest mercy. The place of your greatest mistake, listen, it's an opportunity to experience God's greatest mercy. And I say it's an opportunity because honestly, some people don't want to experience God's mercy. They want to continue in their mistake. Or some people don't think that God could actually love them and forgive them and bless them um, because of of their mistake. Like, we've been told that God did love you, but you did that, and once you did that, he can't love you. We started this series last week and kicked it off called uh, Live Full and Die Empty. And last week, we talked about how sometimes we're spiritually empty and, and we're stuck but God wants us to live a full and abundant life. And we, we started talking about how do we, how do we move that needle uh, from, from empty to full. And we began looking at the life of Abraham and, and Sarah. And one of the things that, that we found out was, was that they could not have a child. Like they were, they were barren. And the prospect of them having a child wasn't good because does anybody remember how old Abraham was? He was 75. 75. Like When you're 75, you're not thinking, hey, let's get the nursery ready. But God tells them, I want you to leave from from here, and I want you to just walk with me. Like Go where I'm going to to show you. So they start walking with God. And God said, as we're walking, he said, I will make you into a great nation. So as they're walking with God, they are becoming something that they weren't. And I said the same thing is true for, for us. As we just walk with God... Uh, then, then God is making us into to who he wants us to be. And so we came to the end of the story last week, and, and Abraham and Sarah, they were in a great place. They had made it into the promised land, and, and Abraham was so full that at the last verse that we read said that he built an altar to give to God. Because when we're full, that's what we do. Generosity flows out of us. Like, everything was going great. But, but just a, a confession on my part. Like, every time things are going really great in my life, I get nervous. Anybody else like that? Yeah, like, Like what's wrong? Nothing. Like, that's the problem. Something needs to be wrong. Like, and and here's what happened to Abraham and Sarah. And this next verse that we're going to look at today in Genesis chapter 12 is amazing to me. Like, the Bible is so... Like, there's stuff in the Bible that you could not put on TV today. And they'll let you put about anything on TV today. But Genesis chapter 12, verse 10 says this. At the time, at that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt, where he lived as a foreigner. There is a sermon right there in that verse. Like, we're going to focus on three words for, for a few minutes. Famine, forcing... And foreigner. Like, I love when the Bible just kind of creates the sermon itself. Like, famine. Now, in the ancient world, a famine was a big deal. And it wasn't this thing that just kind of happened overnight. Like, it happened gradually. Like, it wouldn't rain, uh, and it wouldn't rain for a long time. And if it didn't rain for a long time, same thing happens today. Crops don't grow. And if crops don't grow, you can't feed your family, and you can't feed your animals, and they begin to die the wells begin to, to dry up because, because no rain has fallen. And it becomes a horrible condition, like bad times, like $5 gas and 9% inflation. Like, I, I don't know. But just like countries go through bad times, like this happens to us spiritually too. Like we go through seasons where we feel like we aren't receiving anything from God. Like we feel like God isn't, isn't blessing us. We feel like we're, we're not even hearing from God. And so spiritually we're in a famine. And that's where Sarah and Abraham are. They're they're stuck in this famine. And a famine will cause us to lose focus. Have you ever lost focus? Yeah. Like when you pull up into a red light and it turns green and the car in front of you does not go, how much time do you give it before you blow the horn? Like how many, how many are like one second? Anybody, two seconds? three seconds. See, I, I very seldom blow the horn. Like I, that's not me. Like I, I suffer with road rage, but I don't blow the horn. Now, my wife is like 0.3 seconds. She blows the horn. And most of the time, listen, most of the time, the reason that person didn't go forward is, is because of what? They weren't looking at the light. They were looking at what? They felt like you've done it too. <laughs> and you got mad at the person that blew their horn at you. When we lose focus, listen, we, we do dumb things, or we do sinful things, and a famine can cause us to lose focus. Abraham and Sarah were, were in the middle of a famine, and don't miss this. It says the famine forced them to go to Egypt. God didn't tell them to go. All of this time, from the time they had left Ur till the time they arrived in Canaan, God had guided them. Hundreds and hundreds of miles, God guided them. He led them all the way to the promised land. God had been their provider. He'd been their protector. God had been everything to them. But as soon as their circumstances changed and they took their eyes off God and they put them on their circumstances, and because the conditions were bad, like they said, we've got to go somewhere God isn't leading us. We have to go somewhere where we are foreigners. In other words, we have to go to a place that we don't belong. Anytime we take our eyes off Jesus and we focus on our circumstances, we will always, always, always wind up going someplace that we don't belong. That's what naturally happens when we take our eyes off Jesus and we start to run out of gas. Now, were Abraham and Sarah bad people? No. Were they wicked people? No. Were they evil people? No. They just started focusing on their circumstances, and they ended up going to a place that God didn't tell them to go. And this is where it gets super interesting. Genesis 12, verse 11, says, as he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife Sarai, look, you are a very beautiful woman. Now, ladies, how many of you know that something is coming next? <laughs> Your husband tells you that? Like, How many of you know like something's coming next? Like, you, ladies, you know if your husband is just dishing out a compliment or if, like, they want something. It says this, when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Let's kill him. Wow. So then we can have her. Now, fear causes us to do stupid things, right? Like, I'm so scared of snakes. Like, like I am. If, if I'm fishing and I see one on the other side of the lake i pack up and leave. Like, it could be three football fields away, but if I even think it's a snake, like, I'm leaving. Like, I don't care how far away of fear causes us to do stupid things. But notice this, Abraham wasn't full of fear while he was walking with God. But as he walks away from God, and he's going to a place where he shouldn't be going, in a place that God never told him to go, he begins to get full of fear. Like, and when we're full of fear, of, 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 Fear, we'll do stupid things. But when we're full of faith, we'll make decisions based on on faith. When we're empty, we'll make decisions based on fear. And by the way, Paul writes that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self discipline. It's in 2 Timothy. And I know that some people are saying they're like, they were in a famine, they had to go to Egypt. No, no, no. I, I, I don't know about you, but I have a God that can supply my needs even in the middle of a famine. Like, I, I have a God that he knows how to take care of his children. Like, he will meet you in the fiery furnace. He will be with you in the lion's den. He knows how to deliver us from, from danger. And the same God was that with, was with them will be with us no matter what this world throws our way. We have a God who's able to take care of his children even in the middle of a famine. So then it gets worse for Abraham and Sarah. Watch where it goes. So please tell them you are my sister. She's like, I'm your wife. He's like, I know, but we can pretend we're from Kentucky. um, (laughs) Sorry to the people online in Kentucky that are watching. Um, (laughs) It says, "Then (laughs) then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. Selfish anyone? They will spare my life. They will treat me well. Abraham was like, listen, honey, I got an idea. Like, they're probably going to to kill me when they see how hot you are. And by the way, that's hot. Like, they're they're probably going to kill me. So he's going to sell his wife for himself he's going to pimp out his wife. Like, I would say, like, I, would get, I don't know all of you, but I would say that there's not a man in here who's going, hey, baby, I have a business proposal for you. I know how we can pay for Christmas this year. Like, like but listen, whenever we walk away from God and we get empty, we will do selfish things that hurt other people. Like, we do. All of us do. Like, I know I have. Like, we get self-centered, and we get self-focused, and we forget who we are and what we're called to do. Like, he is her husband. He's supposed to be protecting her. He's supposed to be defending her. Instead, he sells her. I say, well, it doesn't say he sells her, but listen. Keep reading. And sure enough, sure enough, it was written by somebody in the South. And sure enough, like, when Abram arrived in Egypt, everyone noticed Sarah's beauty, when the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises to Pharaoh, their king, and Sarah was taken into his palace. And I'm sure it wasn't bad at first. Like, they're singing her praises. They're taking her into the palace. Like, she, she gets new clothes. She got, she got jewelry. And at first, like, it seemed good. And at first, it wasn't bad for Abraham either. Watch this. And then Pharaoh gave. See, he sold her. Pharaoh gave Abram many gifts because of her sheep, goat, cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and, and camels. He threw in a pack of smokes. Like, I don't, I don't know. But, like, Abraham, like, he gets all of this stuff. Now, let me ask you a question. Last week, what did Abraham and Sarah want more than anything else in the world? A child. Like, they, they wanted a child. And they gave that desire up because Pharaoh sang her praises and and Abraham got a little bit more of what he already had. Once they got separated from God and they got separated from each other, what they wanted the most was no longer a possibility. Oftentimes, we give up what we want the most for what we can have in the moment. And that's a dangerous place to be. See, the problem is if they stay in Egypt, they're they're giving up a nation so that they can have more clothes, a few animals, and some jewelry. It's a crazy exchange. But many of us do the same thing every day. We give up peace of mind. We give up family relationships. We give up joy so that we can work harder, spend more hours at work, so that we can get just some more of the same junk that we already have. And this, though, this is where we talk about God. Because up to this point, we haven't seen God show up yet. We haven't heard anything about him yet. They're just walking away from him. And if you're like me, you're wondering, like, when's God going to show up? And, And I don't know about you, but I grew up knowing that God loved me, but that he was kind of angry. And he was just looking for a reason to punish me. Like, so I knew God loved me, but, but I was scared. Like, I thought, man, he's just looking for any reason, any reason to punish me. Because I grew up with some great people. Going to the funeral for, for one of them here t- tomorrow. Um, but I, like a lot of people who's like, man, I've got the joy of the Lord in my heart. And I'm like, well, put it on your face because I can't tell. Like, it's crazy. Like, and I believe, listen, I believe God wants his children to be happy. And the way that we get that is by being holy, is by walking with him. Like, I want my kids to be happy. I'm happy that they're in town this weekend. But there are times as they were growing up, and, and they got into things that they thought would make them happy. Like, but as a parent, like, I knew better. And I had to put a stop to it, because I knew it wasn't going to make them happy. And this is where God intervenes. This is where we see the mercy of God. Because listen, God doesn't come after Abraham. And God doesn't come after Sarah. Watch what God does. He says, but the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh. See, God knows that the ultimate battle is with the enemy. God knows that if he destroys the enemy, then that's the battle. I've heard people say, God wants to destroy me. Listen, I promise you, if God wanted to destroy you, you would be destroyed. He's not in heaven going, man, I just can't seem to get that guy. Like... It said, but the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and his household because of Sarah, Abram's wife. Listen, God will always fight for his children. Like, I've grown into a pretty calm guy. And you think, really? Like, yeah. But, and I think it's because I'm getting older. Like, I don't get excited or riled up at, at sporting events like I used to. Like, I don't get upset uh, about much anymore. Like, I don't think I would ever throw, throw pillows out the window again. But, but if you want to make me mad, you mess with one of my kids. And I'll go from zero to hands around your neck very quickly. And, and if you're a parent and somebody messes with your kid, like here in southern Illinois, your first thought is I've got a gun and I've got a shovel. But and, it, and, and if, that's, if, that, if that's our attitude, like we're going to defend our kids, we're going to fight for our kids and we are imperfect parents, how do you think God feels when someone messes with his children? Like I would have expected God to come after Abraham or God to come after Sarah. But God came after Pharaoh because God is fighting for his children. And there is is somebody here today and maybe you've messed up. Maybe you've made some mistakes. Maybe you're living a, a sinful life right now and you're in a place that you think there is no way God wants anything to do with me, I want you to know that God is fighting for you, that God will fight for you, that God doesn't give up on people. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, man, I don't know if that's true. And listen, explain to me then why you're here listening to me tell you that God is fighting for you. And I don't even know your circumstances. God will fight for his children. Listen, even when they're in places they don't belong, it says, as we continue in the story, it says, so Pharaoh summoned Abraham or Abram and accused him sharply. What have you done to me? He demanded. Why didn't you tell me she was your, your wife? Why did you say she is my sister and we're from Kentucky and, and allow me to take her as my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and get out of here. Like they were, God, the Pharaoh kicked them out. God fought so hard for them that the enemy kicked them out. Like Pharaoh ordered some of his men to escort them and sent Abraham out of the country along with his wife and all his possessions. How great and merciful is God. Like Abraham and Sarah, like they go and they mess up. They walk away from God. They get stuck in a place that they were never supposed to be. And God was like, I love you too much to let you stay there. And he fights for them. God fights Pharaoh, and he rescues them, and he gets them back on track to receiving the promise, and ultimately, like he's going to give them the nation of Israel. Ultimately, the birth of the Savior is going to come through that line. It's unbelievable mercy. How how great is the mercy of God? When you think about Abraham and Sarah, or when you think about the, the thief on the cross, now, we usually don't talk about this guy at, at Easter time. But, but when Jesus is being crucified, and, and the Bible tells us that there was a, a criminal or a thief on either side, and he was in the middle. And both thieves are, are mocking and, and, and cursing him. And then at the last minute, again, we don't even know what happened. But in the last minute, one of the thieves looked over and says, hey, when you get into your kingdom, would you remember me? And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. And the thief dies. Like, can you imagine his first five minutes in heaven? Like, What were they like for that guy? I'm just making this up, but he shows up and everyone's like, who are you? He's like, how'd, how'd you get here? He's like, I mean, you don't even want to know who I am or, or what I've done. Like, like, all I know is I was hanging there and I was, I was cussing this guy. But then something told me he was special. Someone said he was like the, the king of the Jews or something. So I just asked him before I died, hey, would you remember me when you get in your kingdom? But, but what'd you do? I mean, like, did, did you serve in church every week? Did, did you give your money? Did you, uh, did you get filled with the Holy Spirit? Like, like wh- what about all that stuff? And he was like, no, like, I was being executed. Like, I was a criminal. Like, all I did was recognize who the man in the middle was, that he was the king. Like, how much mercy did Jesus show him? Here's a man that lived his entire life apart from God, doing his own thing, spent time cursing and mocking Jesus, and then all of a sudden, at the last second, he recognized something about Jesus, and he accepts him, and he goes, you're in. It's just a reminder that the place of your greatest mistake is an opportunity to experience God's greatest mercy. God wants us to experience his mercy. We just have to accept it. Some of you are here today or you're watching online and you've gone down to Egypt. And I'm here to tell you today that God's fighting for you. You think you've gone too far? You think you've done too much? I'm here to tell you God's fighting for you. Listen, and today, today is an opportunity to receive that mercy. God is not fighting you, but he is fighting for you. I'm going to ask you to stand. And if there's a decision that you need to make today, maybe for the first time, and maybe you're you're still living in your mistake, but maybe for the first time, maybe today, you need to come and accept that mercy. Maybe today is the day you need to get, get immersed in baptism to receive the forgiveness of your sin and the gift of the, of the Holy Spirit. But maybe you've, you've already done that and you think, man, I've still made mistakes. i still walked away. Like I was walking with God and, and then I started walking away. Abraham and Sarah were too. And you know what? God still fought for them. God's still fighting for you. And today can be the day you get back on the right track. If you need to make a decision, I'll be down here. Todd will be over here. You can come forward as the band leads us in this last song. Father God, today... We thank you that you fight for us. God, we thank you that that even in our greatest mistakes, even our greatest sin, God, that that we have the opportunity to experience your greatest mercy. Father, I'm so thankful today for for the mercy that you have, and I pray for anyone here, whether they're in this room, whether they're watching online. Father, I pray today that they would accept that mercy, that they would no longer continue to, to live in that mistake. Father, we thank you for Jesus who who accepts us as we are and makes us into who who he wants us to be. In his name that I pray.